The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 1030, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Rebecca and I have a particular philosophy on cars. And it's that um, my number one value for a car is reliability because our philosophy is pretty much drive the car until the wheels fall off and it explodes, okay? The last car I had, I had driven for 14 years. It had 220,000 miles on it and I was thinking we were just getting started, okay? And the key to have this as your philosophy is you've got to have a mechanic that you know and trust and I have a great mechanic. I've known, known them for, for him for years. And so he's great because he knows when to kind of pull me aside and just say, hey, man, it's time to let go. <laughs> and he speaks that truth. And so this last time um, he said, um, I, I took it in and he says, you know, hey, here's the damage, man. Here's, here's what it's going to take to fix it. And I'm like, oof, I'm starting to calculate how I'm going to pay it. And he says, can I just say, your car's actually not worth that much money, okay? I, I think you're done, okay? And so um, we, we ended up getting a, a new car for us. It was actually um, a couple years old. But you have to understand, when we got into this new car for us, the previous car that I had been driving was from a previous millennium, Okay? So the technology in this car, even though a couple years old, I felt like I was driving a spaceship. (laughs) Because the previous car, I mean, it it still literally took a cassette tape, okay? I could put a cassette tape in there. And I remember getting in this new car, and I'm I'm thinking, Rebecca, they have one of those CD players in here, okay? Let's go buy some CDs. We can listen to them in the car. Okay, it's got like cameras. I'm like, they have cameras like that look out the back for you. I mean, that's amazing. I felt like I was in a spaceship, all right? And, and there's something about when you get into, when you have like a new piece of like technology or equipment, you, you handle that differently, right? So like before, like I still handled my car well, but now with the new car, it's like 10 and 2, you know? Like I'm backing in the back of the Walmart parking lot, cones are set out, no one come near my car, okay? It's like when you get like a new phone, like you took care of your old phone, but with your new phone, like you're putting it down gently, okay? Your kids could hold your old phone, they can't hold your new phone, right? Now why is it, why do we respond like with such care when we have like precision equipment? Is it because it's more delicate? Actually, probably not. Probably if you get a new phone, it's actually sturdier probably than your old phone. It's new technology. It's probably some of them you can like throw in the pool now apparently. You know, like they're more like sturdier than your old phone, okay? You're actually probably, if you get a a newer car, it's probably safer than your older car. It's actually, it's not that it's more delicate. It's actually more powerful and more sturdy. But what you're doing is you have this instinct to steward well, to care well, to utilize to its fullest capacity this high precision piece of technology. So I, I, that came to mind when I was reading this book 
And it was about, it was written by these medical doctors that have done research on the brain. And I was just kind of alerted to how just scientists continually to continue to be amazed by the brain. And I was reading about the brain. I didn't know a ton about this, but it was talking about all of these neurons that we have in the brain, just billions and billions of them. And they're all connected by these synapses, these billions of neurons. But there's these gaps between, between them. Let me just read you how it describes the, the brain. It says, the connections that bridge the gaps between neurons are called synapses. The neurons in question are not seamlessly physically connected by the synapse. There's always a small gap where the electricity is carried by a neurochemical. Okay, does that make sense? Because maybe one of you could explain that to me a little bit later, because I still have no idea what that just said. Okay. I didn't understand much of that, but then it said this, and this got my attention. The neurons form over 100 trillion connections with each other, more than all the internet connections in the world. Listen, the human brain is, without question, the most complicated three-pound mass of matter in the known universe. Now, there's some dude that's saying here, actually, my wife's brain is the most complicated, the most complicated three-pound ma mass in the known universe. Okay, I'm not sure which brain is the most, but brains, what's in your skull, is the most complicated, arguably, precision, complicated thing that God designed in the known universe. So the question is, like, that makes, like, new car technology or new phone technology, like, embarrassingly puny compared to what is inside your head. So how carefully do we care for that precision piece of equipment? As we enter into this new year, 2019, as we're into this new year, I want you to think about what the scripture says about your mind. Because decisions we make about our mind affect so many other, virtually every other part of our life. Listen to what this says. I want you to open in Col to Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If you have a Bible or Bible app, Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. Now this is really rich and deep, but apparently you have the most complex piece of equipment known in the known universe in your skulls. So let's put that to use today. Listen to what this says. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your, what's the word there? Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. All right, this just said something crazy. Did you catch it? It says you've already died. It says you've already, it says since you've been raised. This is suggesting you have already died and been raised. Now what could that possibly mean? First of all, we have to understand what happened with Jesus. The whole, all of the Bible is about one thing. It's about the person of Jesus. 
The whole Old Testament is pointing forward, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for Jesus, pointing to Jesus. The whole New Testament is pointing back, saying the Messiah, the Christ has come, Jesus. And it describes who this Messiah was. It was none other than God himself in the flesh. He kept saying, I'm going to send a Messiah like you've never seen. I'm going to send a Messiah like you've never seen. And one of the craziest realizations is when you get into the Messiah, when you get into the New Testament, that the Messiah was God himself. God is with us, Emmanuel. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Come to rescue his people. We read that in the Bible that Jesus was crucified on a cross. That didn't mean that something had gone wrong. That was the plan all along. He came to be the sacrificial lamb, to die on the cross, to pay for all of our blemishes, all of our mistakes, all of our shame, our guilt, our sins. He paid for all of that on the cross. He died. And then he rose again from the dead, saying that all punishment for sin has been paid for thoroughly, once and for all. The wrath of God has been quenched on the person of Jesus. And so then we are presented with the opportunity to put our faith in Jesus. Because there's no way we could be good enough to earn salvation. There's no way we could be good enough to earn God's love. We can't be religious enough. We can't pray enough. We can't be kind enough. We can't be generous enough. We cannot be religious enough. We fall short of a perfectly holy, almighty God. We need a savior. We need someone to rescue us. That was Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. And so we put our faith in Jesus and, and we realize it's not about what I do, it's about what he did. He saved me and we put our faith. It says we are in him. So here's how this is described. In that sense, because of Jesus, what he did, we've already died and been raised. In fact, that's why we have this this picture, Jesus commanded every follower of Christ to perform this beautiful ritual called baptism. Baptism is this symbol, okay? We're, we're actually going to have a baptism in a few, few weeks. We're going to have some baptisms. It's not something someone does by themselves. It's something we do together as a church. What is it? Every person who's put their faith in Jesus, they're baptized. What actually happens? Someone is placed under the water, and raised back out of the water. What does that symbolize? It's, it's a burial. It's a symbolic burial. You have died with Christ. Your old life, your sins, the things that we used to be involved in, those have been dead and buried, paid for by Jesus, and we've risen again. It's into new life. And so there's some of you here that maybe in the last few months, maybe you put your faith in Jesus. Maybe at the end of one of our services or... Or maybe at some point you put your faith in Jesus. If you've never been baptized since you've put your faith in Jesus, um, I, you need to be baptized. It's a matter of obedience. Jesus commanded us to do that. In fact, I want to just kind of take a moment here for a second. Can everyone pull out your connection card? Go ahead and pull this, pull this out. Tear this off from your bolt and go ahead and grab this and hold it up so I see that, that you're listening and you're not just fumbling, just trying to fool me. Okay, I see it. Most of you. Okay, grab this connection card. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want, you, I want you to, if you have put your faith in Jesus and you have never taken that step of obedience to be baptized so that we can celebrate publicly what's already happened internally, what I want to ask you to do is in this box here, it says prayer requests, I want, you to, I want you to write the word baptism and then write your contact information. All we're doing is we'll reach out to you and let you know the next, the next steps and let you know a little bit more and answer your questions about baptism. But take that step right now, fill that out, and then I want you to put that in one of the offering boxes before you leave. 
that is one of the most beautiful, powerful things we celebrate as a church. Why? Because there's an unbelievable truth, Christian. There's this already not yet sense of your faith that we say. There's a sense in which you've already died. Your sins have already been paid for. That old life, all that shame, all that guilt, all that sin has been paid for. It's in the past. That means that all, any of those things, if there's anything from your past, Christian, that's still haunting you, that's dead and buried. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. Jesus says, Man, to, be, to follow Christ, it's like a rebirth. You're being born again. All that sin is gone, paid for. You are forgiven. You are in a state of forgiven. All that's in the past. What it says is you are a new creation, it says in the Bible. If anyone is in Christ, it's like you are a brand new creation. It's like you've already, even though you haven't actually risen into being in heaven, it's like you've already been risen. Okay, there's, there's two things that this helps us understand. First thing, this helps us understand that Christianity and, and following Jesus is not a slice of your life. There's sometimes that we treat our faith in Jesus like it's kind of spiritual insurance. You know what I mean by that? Like you have car insurance maybe. Because you hope you never get into a car accident, but just in case, you've got that to cover you. You know, maybe you've got a homeowner's insurance, so just in case if something bad happens to your home, you've got that insurance. Sometimes we treat our faith in Jesus as if it's kind of like eternity insurance. I mean, I've got the medical side, I've got the home, I've got the car, I've got all of it covered. Let me just make sure the spiritual side is covered. So I'll make sure that I've got, you know, I go to church some, I read the Bible, you know, I know Jesus, I've said the right things, prayed the right prayers. Okay, that's covered. I just make sure those, I have those deposits enough to make sure I'm still covered. That's not what it is. Did you hear what, how it described it? It says, when Christ, who is your life? When you put your faith in Jesus, Everything changes. You are new creation. Did you hear what it's describing? It's describing this thing that's already in the process of happening. We will one day stand in the presence of God. He's right now getting you ready to stand in the presence of God. That he, when you put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit himself, the Spirit of God, dwelling inside of you, going to work on the inside. It, the, our faith, we become a brand new creation when we take this journey of putting our faith in Jesus. The first thing is it's not a slice of our life, but here's the other thing. Because we've already been dead and already been raised, understand how you've been repositioned. Do you realize Jesus took your sin and gave you his righteousness? Do you understand what that means? God looks down at you if you are in Christ as if you have the righteousness of Christ. You Christian, sometimes we say, yes, Jesus saved me, and, and I say that, and then we keep going as if I still have to earn it. There's nothing left to earn. But what he's saying, we act, but we live in reflection of a reality that is already true. 
You're already declared righteous, and now we're living in a reflection of that reality. There's a sense in which it's an already, but not yet. Okay, you're saying, okay, I think I got it. Let me give you an illustration. I want you to imagine that this afternoon you get a phone call, and you get your dream job. And I'm not talking like a promotion. I'm talking like the ultimate, like if you could start your life over type of dream job. Okay, my ultimate dream job is to be a pastor in South Florida, okay? So I'm, I'm lucky, all right? But if I couldn't do this, there's, there's a secondary, a second level dream job that I would want, okay? I would want to be one of those television personalities that travels, that gets flown to these special restaurants all over the world <laughs> and eats this incredible food on camera and just looks at the camera and says, this is incredible. Don't you wish you had this food? I mean, how do you get that job, all right? Secondly, why do I watch that show, okay? I get so hungry and then I go to like the pantry and all I have is ramen noodles in there and I'm depressed eating my ramen noodles. Like this is just, this is depressing here, okay? But that would be an incredible job. So I want to just lend that dream job to you. And I want you to imagine that this afternoon you get, a job, you get the phone call. You are the person that we've been waiting for, okay? You're the new television personality. We're going to fly you around. But here's the thing. Um, we need to put you in a, we need to relocate you to another place. And so they tell you that they're flying you and they're going to relocate your family to Honolulu. And you're staying in Honolulu. They've got this beautiful mansion. They're going to put you up in this, okay? And they say, but you need to start in a month. So you go in tomorrow, and you happily turn in your two weeks' notice, okay? Now, I want, you, I want to ask you, over the next month, where's your brain? Honolulu, okay? Are, are you walking back into your house and saying, you know what? Let's repaint everything. Are you like, you know what, let's redo this room. Are you, are you thinking like, you know what, I, I'm going to start a new initiative here at my career. You're doing everything you can to stay focused for these final two weeks to end well at your career, okay? Why? Are you already living in, in Honolulu? You already have the job. You're just not yet there. You follow me? There are some, we have some students in the room. I want you to think back to when you were a student in high school, and right about this time, if you were a senior in high school, you already maybe know what your next step is, maybe you already know if you're gonna go to college, and there's this thing called senioritis that you have to fight from setting in, okay? And you just, you already know the next step, you've already been accepted, and you're like, does it really matter what I do over these next couple months? <laughs> Students, it does, okay? I don't know how, but it does, okay? So just keep working hard. And you get this senioritis, you get it when you have like a vacation planned and those last couple days you have vacationitis, you know, and you're like trying to stay focused, but you got this thing coming. You are physically still here, but you're mentally already there. Did you hear what this commanded you? It had two commands in here. It's just two ways of saying the same things. It says you've already died and been raised, so here's the command. Seek the things that are above. It said this, set your minds on the things that are above. That's already for certain your destination. 
You're just not physically there yet. Set your minds on the things that are above. Do you know what this is giving you permission to do? Heavenitis. It's just like throwing in the towel. Just give in to it, okay? Set your minds on the things that are above. I mean, because, I mean, think about it. Heaven? Man, like comparing like a dream job or any place you could be relocated to or anything you could spend your life doing compared to heaven? Like that scenario we just came up with is absurdly minuscule, puny, ridiculous compared to where you are certainly, if you are in Jesus Christ, going to spend your eternity. So set your minds on the things that are above. Let your life now reflect the reality that is already true about you in Jesus Christ. Reflect that. Here's how it says in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the perfect will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What it's saying is renew your minds. Don't be conformed to this world. He says, in other words, you're not going to operate and think like the rest of the world thinks. Christian, don't be surprised when you go to work and the way you think is just almost completely different than all your other coworkers. Why is that a surprise? You're setting your mind on the things that are above. Students, when you go to college, don't be surprised when you think fundamentally different than almost all what seems like all your other classmates and even professors. Of course. When, if those of you who have recently come to faith in Christ, and you say, I've got, like, I mean, this isn't, I'm reprogramming how I was raised to think or what my friends think. Of course, you're setting your minds on the things that are above. You're living in light of what the reality that's already been declared over you. You're reflecting that reality. Okay, I, I want to keep going in this passage. I want to move through this quickly, but I want to give you some context here as it develops what it looks like to, to set your mind on things that are above. Look at what it says in verse 5. Put to death, therefore. Put to death, therefore. What is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Did you see what it's saying? You were made in the image of perfect, holy, almighty God. You are in the process. When you, Christian, listen, when you put your faith in Jesus, the process of getting you ready to stand before your creator began. It's not, 
Yeah, I believe in Jesus. All right, I got eternity in heavens worked out. You know, I'll just keep that plate spinning, but let me go back to the rest of my life. No, you're a new creation being prepared to stand before your creator. And so he says, you're new. You have a new self. So he says, put off the old self. And did you hear the list? Let me just read through the list. He says, put these things to death. Sexual immorality. Well, what does that really mean, sexual immorality? I mean, what are we really talking about here? Sexual immorality, the Greek word for that is porneia, which is where we get the word pornography from. Sexual immorality is any expression of sexuality outside of the way God invented for it to thrive, which is between a, a man and wife in the covenant of marriage. Anything outside of that, anything outside of that is sexual immorality. And by the way, if God invented everything, he invented sexuality as a gift, but he's the inventor. The world does not know better than God about something he invented. He knows how it's supposed to thrive. The world doesn't know better. And he's saying, so put to death the old way, which is an absurd lie that the world knows what sexuality in its best expression looks like. The inventor knows. Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, passion, which in this context means lust. Put to death lust, evil desire, covetousness, the things that stir in me the desire to covet, that materialism, that materialism that just vacuums out all contentment and joy at all the blessings I already have. He says, by the way, that's idolatry. It's an expression of idolatry. He says, put that to death. Be done. Don't be like, oh, I'll try a little. He says, put it to death, man. It's old self. He says, put these things away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Well, what do you mean by obscene talk? It's exactly what it sounds like. Put it, put it away. That's old self, not new self. Sexual innuendos, dirty jokes, filthiness, celebrating things that are obscene. Just put away obscenity. So that's old self. That's not a reflection of the reality of who you are. Put that stuff away. Ob obscene talk, lies. And then he talks about this, goes this whole list to remind us that we are all one in Christ. And I think what he's saying is, then put away anything that is making you feel superior to someone else. Put away all racism, sexism, bigotry, ageism. Put away all of that kind of thinking. Because if you're in Christ, you realize, man, it, Christ levels the playing field. It's just simply, we all need Jesus. We're all on that level. He says, put all that away. And then he says this. Then he tells us what to put on. Let me read this through quickly. He says, here's what he says. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called to one body and be thankful. He says, man, 
reflect who you are now. You've been repositioned, destined for heaven. Man, get rid of all that sexual immorality. Get rid of all that stuff that's stirring up lust and, and stirring up all that stuff. And put that away. Put away the things that are stirring up coveting and stirring up wrath and anger and hatred. Put all that away. And run to the things that are stirring up. Here's his list. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Meekness. Patience. Bearing with one another. Forgiveness. Love. Thankfulness. Fill, run after those things. Now look, if you're like me, you hear that like, man, that's, that's a big list. That's a lot of things. But he ties this down to one basic action step. And he echoes where he started. Look where he goes next. And we're going to wrap, wrap up this passage with these two verses. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He ties this back to this fundamental concept of where he started. It's one simple command. Set your minds on the things that are above. He says, understand the reality. It's like you've already died and been raised. He's preparing you. You're bodily not there yet, but be mentally there. Set your minds on the things that are above. He says three things he talks about in there. He says, he says letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, like the scripture, the Bible, not just dwelling down in you, like you're housing it, you know it so well. So let me just ask you guys a question. Um, if you spend more than 12 minutes in the car every day, if you spend more than 12 minutes in the car every day, let me see your hands, raise it up, more than 12 minutes, okay, that is almost every single person in this room. If you were to get a, a Bible app, like say version Bible app, and you were to listen to the Bible read to you for 12 minutes every day, you would have heard the entire Bible read to you in a year. Let me remind you, there has never been a generation that has had more access to hear, read, explore the Bible than us. Never, not even close. The vast majority of Christian history, you were lucky if your town had one copy of the Bible in a language your pastor could read. And you can have it read to you. I mean, we can't even, we can't get it like the, an easier way than just sitting there and letting it read to you. I mean, that's about as easy as it gets, okay? Let it dwell in you richly. In fact, here's what we're going to do. In two weeks, we're starting a new series called Word Habit. And we're bringing in for two weeks a dear friend, um, and leader and pastor that we love, Dr. John Ellswick. We're bringing him in for two weeks because he just completed his doctoral research on how to train Christians on how to study the Bible on their own. 
And when I heard his research, I was just so moved by what he was studying and what they've been doing at our sister church, Crossway, that he has agreed to come in for two weeks, deposit that into us and train us together as a church so we can all read the Bible on our own. That's an all hands on deck starting in two weeks, our word habit series. He's saying, man, fill your minds with the scripture. Then he says, and admonish one another with it. We talked about this last week. Pastor Angel said, we're wired in the image of God who's in community. We are wired to be in community. You're wired to operate with other people, not just to get my needs met, but they're to serve each other. And so what it's saying is, man, as you get the word dwelling in you, you fill my mind with the things that are of God, and I fill your mind with the things that are of God in community. And then what does it say? It says, with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. One of the reasons that we as a, as a church and our worship ministry is giving so much effort to writing songs is because we want to, to cement in our minds. Why do we sing? Why do we come every week? Why is the singing together so important? We're interrupting the loop of lies that run through our mind every single week by declaring and singing and reminding ourselves of truth and letting that sink down deep. And so our worship ministry has provided songs to bathe you in truth all week to set your minds on the things that are above. What, what does it say? Let me just put it to you like this. Listen to what it says in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Look at what it says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any, anything that's excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Do you realize what you have in your skull? The most precision piece of equipment in the known universe, apparently. Or at least most of us do, okay? <laughs> what you have in your brains, how are you handling it? Your, your brain is like a Formula One race car the most precision piece of equipment. If someone gave you a Formula One race car, would you just like drive it up to the speedway and just put like regular unleaded gasoline in it? Of course not. It's just like, this is like one of the most precision pieces of equipment in the world. If you have like a, a new phone, new piece of equipment, you take care of it. Why? Because it's so weak and fragile? No, because it's so powerful and you want to leverage it to its fullest extent. Christian. What are you fueling your brain with? Because it, it requires something high octane. What are you fueling your brain with? As we're going into a new year, I want to give you three ways to take inventory. Can you write these three things down? Three things to take inventory. Here's the first one. Take inventory on what you watch. Take inventory on what you watch. I remember when I was a, a, a kid, I remember I went to Sunday school or it was like youth group and I heard a youth leader say this one time. They said, well, Christians don't watch rated R movies. And I remember I was thinking, oh, all right, I guess so. And I just kind of accepted that and embraced it. And there's a problem with that. To declare like a law or a rule like that, it would have to be in here. It's not. You have been set free. The righteousness, you've been declared righteous by Christ. You're free from the law. You have freedom. 
but use that freedom to set your minds on the things that are above. The biggest problem with legalism and creating a law like that is it's lazy. Because the reality is there may be some rated R movies you should see and some PG movies you should not see. Think. Let's not think in terms of, well, that's good and that's bad. Think in terms of beneficial. Is it beneficial to you? Can I just be one of your pastors for a second? There are some things that are pretty obvious. Christian, don't fill your mind with that. You know. It says, don't fill your mind with sexual impurity. I mean, there's stuff that, you know, it's just full of just explicit sexual immorality. Why are we putting that in our minds? Worthless, no redeeming value, gratuitous, explicit, obscene. Why are we putting that in our That doesn't reflect the reality of who we are. Set your minds on the things that are above. You say, well, I mean, you don't understand. I'm a pretty mature Christian. I can handle it. That's ridiculous. That's not a sign of maturity. That's a sign of immaturity. Because the issue is not, if I watch this, that you're going to dissolve into a fetal position on the floor. The issue is, how are you going to handle and steward this precision piece of equipment God has given you? It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom that you say, I am going to strategically plan what I am filling my mind with. Take inventory of what you watch. And Christian, you are going to do this differently than the world does. Uh, like, there's some things that the world says, well, what's wrong with that? And you might say, for me, that's, there's, there's something wrong with that. HGTV, that's like the most tame, like, rated G thing you could po possibly watch, probably. But there may be some of us that may watch that and say, you know what? I found that when I watch that, it makes me covet, which it says to not put my mind on things, covet and suddenly lose contentment and joy with, what I, with all of the incredible blessings that I have. And this told me to pursue what makes me thankful. So watching that, even though there's nothing, it's considered good by the world, is not beneficial for me because it makes me more materialistic. Be wise. Turn it off. Set your minds on the things that are above because this home is not your home. Your home is in heaven. Set your mind on the things that are above. Parents, your children, please take inventory of what your children are watching. Well, it's a, it's a children's television channel. Who cares? Take inventory. You are going to do things uncommonly in your home. These sweet, fertile little minds. Be choosy on what you put in these children's minds. Set their minds on the things that are above. Not on the loop of what the world says is okay. Am I saying don't ever watch TV or movies? Of course not. Of course I'm not saying that. I'm saying let's be wise and what are the things that are going to help us set our minds on the things that are above. Because this is not a matter, I mean, remember, we're not earning our righteousness. We've been declared righteous. We're living in reflection of that. 
So here's what that means. Because it's not about good and bad, it's about what's beneficial. This church is a no-judgment zone. So when you walk in to your, um, at your small group and you walk into your host home and they've got HGTV on, <laughs> man, don't go home, dear diary. There are people in my small group that are not even saved. I don't even know what to do with them. I'm going to pray for them, okay? This is a no-judgment zone. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If there's another Christian, they have the Holy Spirit inside of, inside of them. They stand before Jesus to give an account on what they and their families plug into their minds. Take inventory of what you, what you fill your mind with. Take inventory on what you listen to is the second one. Take inventory of what you watch. Take inventory to what you listen to. Okay, music. I remember I was told as a kid, only listen to Christian music, don't listen to secular music. That distinction is not in the Bible. Chord progressions can't declare faith in Jesus. There are some things that are under a Christian label that will do more harm to your soul than things under a non-Christian label. Be free from the legalism and the law and think. And by the way, some of it is really obvious. It's not rocket science. If it's filled with sexual immorality, impurity, obscenity, causing you to covet and setting your mind on the things that are of the earth, unplug. Set your minds on the things that are above, the things you listen to. How about talk radio? Well, what's wrong with talk radio? Is it beneficial to your soul? Um, I, there's, there's nothing inherently wrong, but is it beneficial to you? Take inventory. Um, I used to listen to sports talk radio. I love listening to sports. And there's, what I found for me is usually the sports segment was fine. Sometimes I turned it off. But usually it was fine, but the next 15 minutes of commercials in between segments that were like about strip clubs and stuff, I'm like, I just don't want my mind on this. And eventually it's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. How about the political outlets we plug our brains in? I'm going to step on some of your toes today, okay? Because I love you. I'm, I, whether you are conservative or liberal, Republican, Democrat, in the middle, far right, far left, whatever. If you are plugging your brain for hours on end to a political outlet that is sowing hatred in you, unplug. If it's sowing wrath, I mean, should, I, should we read the list? Wrath, malice, slander, hatred, if it's sowing in you fear and fatalism rather than hope and faith and peace and thankfulness, if it's leaving you afraid rather than confident that King Jesus is really in charge, unplug, Christian. Are you saying politics are bad? Of course not. Please be aware. Please vote. Please get active. But plug your minds into things that are going to help you set your minds on the things that are above your true citizenship is in heaven. Live in light of that. What are we listening to? Here's the third one. Take inventory on what you read. 
I remember a friend of mine once recommended there's this deal of the day, and it had like a deal of the day. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I would check what the deal of the day was. And what I found is that that website, is there anything wrong with the deal of the day? No, it's not. What I found for me was I would go on it, and it would teach me things that I wanted that I didn't know I wanted until I went on the website. <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing. I didn't know I needed that. Now I need it. And I'm like, and like after a while, I'm like, what am I doing? I don't, why is it, forget, I'm not doing this. I'm like, I, I'm, I was gone with that, I put that away. How about like a, a catalog? Is there anything wrong with like a furniture catalog or clothing catalog? You know, probably not. But if looking through that makes you say, I hate this furniture that we have now. <laughs> it's robbing you. Don't look at it. Is a furniture catalog like evil? Maybe for you it is. <laughs> it's not good or bad, it's beneficial. How about social media? I don't even think I need to say anything else. <laughs> Christian, are you getting into fights on social media? First of all, you don't need that kind of stress in your life, okay? Like, what is social media doing to you? Like, like the pictures that, that people post of themselves. Why? Like, is it causing you to lust? Is it causing you to covet? Like, People don't, like, take pictures of themselves when they look bad because they rolled out of bed. They don't, take, they don't, like, post when, like, their world typically, like, when they're having, hey, I'm having kind of an average day. Here's what my real life looks like. No, it's like the 10-year reunion version of themselves where everything's wonderful. Is it causing you to covet? Like, stop looking. Is it making you mad? Is it making you gossip? Why, when, when you're waiting in line, don't scroll. Okay, just don't do it. Unplug. You're saying I shouldn't be involved in social media? Maybe not. Should every Christian abandon social media? No, please, don't every Christian do that. We need to have a Christian presence on social media. But maybe you, <laughs> maybe you need to be wise about your involvement. Maybe when you're lying in bed about to fall asleep is not the best time to scroll on social media. Maybe, instead, maybe you post and don't just scroll. Maybe you, just, maybe you unplug for a season. Be wise, Christian, beneficial. Take inventory on what you watch, what you listen to, and what you read. Here's my fear, West Pines. Here's my fear on, on a message like this. Is that we'll nod and say, yeah, I probably, and, and what's happening is the, the Holy Spirit is nudging each one of us on like, you know what? That's probably not something I should do. I should be doing anymore. I need to clean that up. And the Bible talks about being a hearer of the word or a doer of the word. And being a hearer only, they say, is absurd as going into the mirror, seeing that something's wrong on your face, you got a piece of food sticking out of your teeth, and then walking away and say, oh, okay, I see it, and doing nothing about it. Be a doer of the word. Let's be doers of the word. Can we walk out of this saying, okay, Holy Spirit, I am setting my mind on things that are above. Transform me. I'm going to do it differently. Why? Is it to earn God's approval? No. You have it in Jesus. You're just living a reflection of the reality that is already true. You've got heaven waiting for you. Set your minds on that. And here's the first step for some of you. Some of you have been operating like Christianity is a slice of your life. 
Christ is your life. Some of you need to stop being religious and be born again. Become a new creation in faith. That's for some of you today. And if you want to take that step, I want to lead you in taking that step today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Some of you are watching online, and this is a prayer for you. I want to lead you in this simple prayer. Take this step and find Jesus. If that's you, put your faith in Jesus and simply say this right there in your seat. Make these words your words in your heart. Say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. You're my Savior. It's about what you do, not what I do. I want to live in reflection of that. Make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321. Or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.